On the air everywhere, this is New England Broadcasting. Proportions. Look at the size of this thing. It is the Ron Van Dam Show. I know Ron very, very well. I'm a personal friend of his. My name is also Ron. I look a lot like him. I sound a lot like him. It's a doppelganger kind of thing, whatever that means. Thanks for stopping by. What'd you do? Come by to pick up your laundry? Uh-huh. Well, it's not ready yet. We get it. You got a theme song. We understand that. Fade it out, baby. How are you? Happy day to you. Hope you're doing well. March comes in like a lion, goes out like a lamb. Okay, fine, good. I don't know what that means, but fine. I guess the weather is a little more uh, uh, wintry in the beginning of March. Toward the end of March gets more like Aprily. I, I don't know, whatever. Whatever these... These amazing proclamations that mean nothing. Well, how are you? How are you? Is there another talk show host that actually asks how you are? No. Do I care? No. All right, let's move on then, shall we? I have an interesting guest coming up a little bit later in the program who will address one of my pet peeves. And that's uh, how we're so divided. Because we're so, we categorize everybody. Now, I'm a comedian. I make fun of people sometimes. Not often, because I don't like that kind of humor. But I am a sarcastic, dry-witted son of a bitch. But that's what I do. It's different than you. You can't be like that all day. You're not allowed. I can be. You can't. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, hey, um, scamming, uh, this past year had gone up 38%. I don't know who did the survey and I don't care, but it's quite obvious. Look, since I was a child, since I, uh, emerged from the birth canal and there's a pretty picture, huh? Once they wiped all that uh, stuff off my face and stuff, you know, and cut my umbilical cord, I realized immediately the world that I'm being brought into, I can't trust it. Yeah, we're told, uh, you know, trust everybody. Everybody's good. They all have a good heart. 
They don't. Their hearts aren't that good. Some are. A lot aren't. People have to earn my trust. I don't give it out. I don't give it up. And even if I trust people, it's temporary. They can break my trust. Remember when you were growing up, your parents always said, don't get in a car with strangers? That was nothing compared to what you shouldn't be doing now. With the onslaught of the artificial intelligence, the robotic scam calls, people uh, telemarketing me from uh, India and the Philippines, I, 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 I can't. I just can't. I just don't trust anybody at all. Uh, I don't get scammed a lot if I do at all because I'm so untrusting and it works. If you trust people, you're in for a bumpy life ride, my friends. Because a lot of people are really good people. But they dis- the, the bad people disguise themselves as the good people. They don't wear little uh, name tags on the lapels of their jacket saying, uh, hello, my name is Bob, I'm a scammer. They don't do that. They look like nice people. They act like nice people. That's the disguise that they have. So you got to beware. And maybe you're, I have a very smart listening audience. I know they are because I follow them. I, well, stalk them pretty much is a better word. Uh, no, I know that my listeners have some form of intelligence. Otherwise, they wouldn't understand what the hell I'm talking about. But you got to tell your friends and you got to tell your family and your young people. You know, your young people with the little TikTok things, those little clock things, the TikToks. Uh, I I challenge you to uh, stick your tongue into a light socket. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Young people, uh, you got to tell them. You're older people. You're people who are a little bit like, how can I put it, lonely or uh, vulnerable there are some there are some people that are just gullible. Like anything you say to them, they'll go, "Oh, okay." And then, no, I was kidding. Oh, okay. Oh, stop it! You're so stop it. Stop being so vulnerable. Tell the vulnerable people to watch out, because there's a whole bunch of people now these days trying to trying to, to steal their money, to steal their identity, whatever they can get their hands on, and they're disguised as nice people. Just a warning. Every once in a while, I care about people, and I'm just warning you. Um, my God. Do you get junk mail? Oh. Three-quarters of my junk mail are, is people trying to sell me things that I don't want through false pretenses. I'm still getting like envelopes with a dollar in the envelope asking me to donate to a particular charity Here's a dollar. Why'd you send me a dollar? To make you feel guilty. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, like, they're, they're manipulated. Do you like to be manipulated? I don't think you do. Well, it's happening behind your back and actually to your face as well. Don't open emails from people you don't know. Even emails from companies aren't from companies. They're just using their logo. And they're out to get you. And now that we're doing most of our business online, 
our credit card numbers, our checking accounts. I think there's a there's a company called Bill Pay. Is that right? I don't know the name of it, but people are uh, apparently it's being hacked left and right, and this is the way people pay their bills. Money is easily taken out of your checking account if you even have one, or your Venmo, or your Penmo, or your Pen Pal, or whatever the case may be. Just be careful, kids. Just be careful. We're living in an age where you have to look over your shoulder constantly, and the day that you don't is the day they're going to get you. Okay, now that I've started the show with that friendly reminder, uh, here's something fairly interesting before we go to our guest. It's about, uh, a couple of shows ago, I complained that I wasn't getting enough sleep. And uh, I think it's just because I'm getting older. I think when you get older, you don't sleep as much. So let's stop making a big deal out of this. When you're a child, you you can sleep 12 hours a day, and that's not a problem. You get older, you don't sleep as much because your life experiences have screwed you up. (laughs) you You can't relax your mind. A kid's mind, a young adult's mind is, you know, fairly untouched. There's a lot going on, but they don't know the consequences of this. As soon as you get into middle age and older age, you know the consequences of everything that you do, every move you make, and it's a lot, so you don't sleep well. It's just the way it is. Maybe your brain just says, why sleep? What's the point? I don't know. I don't know what happens anyway. So I found this uh, interesting thing. It's, um, it's, uh, it's an information sheet from the uh, people uh, called Best Mattress Brand. Uh, it's courtesy of Best Mattress Brand. I don't know what that is. I assume they sell you mattresses so you can sleep better. They do sleep surveys. It's a way of making you think that you need a new mattress. And apparently, you know, you know what white noise is? <clears throat> and this is not a racial thing. White noise is um, just background uh, constant sound. You know, like when your TV goes off the air at night, which, by the way, it doesn't do anymore. <laughs> but that, that you know, I'll, I'll demonstrate the sound of white noise. It's constant. It's constant. Uh, people have things called noise machines. They're little things. They cost 50 bucks, and all they do is just make that one noise. It helps a lot of people sleep. Well, apparently there's more than white noise. There's also pink noise. What? I've never heard of this. Pink noise is uh, white noise. Uh, White noise, I guess all the frequencies are just like, you know, like just one level. Pink noise, you have different frequencies. You have a little treble, a little bass, a little (laughs) mid-range. Now we're getting, well, we're getting technically (laughs) astute with our background white noise that does nothing. Then there's brown noise. I assume you should just wear a diaper. I don't know what, uh, TikTok, uh, TikTok is into the brown noise. Um, They make it easier to sleep because brown noise is deeper and a stronger tone. I don't want a deeper and stronger tone when I'm trying to go to sleep. But that's what brown noise is. Ron, whoa. All right, is that enough? No, now there's green noise. Seriously. Green noise is a variation of white noise in the middle of the spectrum. (laughs) It utilizes sounds to you that you may hear in nature. 
Uh, so this would be the birds chirping and the frogs in the swamp. These are sounds that I can't sleep to because they're not constant. But yet, apparently, it helps some people sleep. Like you want to take a nap in the middle of a swamp. I don't quite understand the whole thing. When I hear a bird chirping outside my window, I want to get a shotgun. That's not true. I'm not, I would never do something like that. I love animals a lot more than I love people, so I would never do that. But you think about it. Then there's blue noise. Uh, There are very uh, few deep tones in blue noise, but blue noise balances energy, which is primarily concentrated at the high frequency end. It almost sounds like water spraying out of a hose nozzle. (laughs) Ron, did you get a good night's sleep last night? Yes, how did you do that? I, I, I listened to water spraying out of a, of a hose nozzle. And man, did I get a good sleep. What, what are you kidding me? Anyway, uh, I those are just some of the... Now, see, so white noise, not the only color of noise. The color of noise, what the hell am I talking about? The color of noise? Anyway... You see, that's what I'm talking about. Things have gone crazy. Absolutely crazy. Here's something that made no sense to me. Donald Trump was uh, uh, talking at uh, CPAC, which I guess is the Republican big committee thing. I thought CPAC was that little device that you put around, that mask you put around your, your face and your nose if you can't sleep at night. Where's my CPAC machine? Apparently, that's something different. I get so confused by these things. I have to take a drink of water. Uh, Did you ever get like a dry throat? No? Okay, it's just me. All right. Uh, Our guest is going to come up shortly. Not that my guest is short in height or anything. Oh, that's another thing. Oh, my God. Omicron. Oh, My spouse says to me, uh, you know, Ron, I, th- I think uh, you've shrunk. And I said, was, why, why are you staring at my crotch? She said, no, no, no. She said, no, I don't think you're as tall as you used to be. Through my young adulthood and older teenage years, I was six foot three. I even played basketball. <laughs> Seriously? Ron, you moved your body around? I... I don't believe you. I, I I did. I played basketball. I was on a team. I was on a high school team and everything. I was six foot three inches tall. I was the tallest person in most of my classes. I've been tall all my life. I tower above people. I I get nervous around very short people because I think they're just staring at my testicles because they're they're like they're all the way down there. Uh, some people don't even approach me because they think I can eat them because I'm very tall. Apparently, I've shrunk an inch and a half. <gasps> How did that happen? And I thought, well, maybe it's because I'm not standing up straight. People who are like over six feet have trouble standing up straight because there's a lot of straight to get up there. You know what I'm saying? We start. It's like, you know, we start leaning over a little bit because there's a lot of stuff going on up there 
I, I still can't touch my toes easily because um, it's that's a long trip down there. I can't do that. Short people are already down there with the toes. I'm like, I'm a mile away from my toes. But apparently, uh, so I stood up straight and I and I measured my height and I am down at, at least an inch. I'd say at least an inch, maybe an inch and a quarter or something like that. So now I'm six foot um, one and three quarters or six foot two or something. That's, I mean, that's still extremely tall, but I, uh, I've, I've shrunk. I don't know what happened, man. I, I, how is that possible? Well, Ron, you know, when you get older, your bones shrink. Who came up with that? Who, who can, same people with the white noise and the brown noise and the green noise. I mean, come on. Why should I be shrinking? Anyway, um, what the hell am I talking about? Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, it's time to um, take a break, and when we come back, uh, my guest will be joining us. We're going to talk about something that we need to talk about right after this. Gentlemen, you know that when you decide to get engaged, you'll be making one of the most important investments of your life. Think about it. From the moment you get down on bended knee and present the ring, how much you actually love someone will be judged solely on the size of the stone you buy. And not just by the one you love, but by literally everyone she knows. And strangers. At Schlickashek the Jewelers, we know that when you're about to cough up what amounts to a few months' rent to obtain the exclusive naming rights to a vagina, you want to be able to be sure that you've made the best choice. So if you've decided it's time to staple gun your man tackle to a single hitching post and to never be able to experience the simple joy of a meaningless hookup without handing over half your stuff, come to Schlickashek to Jewelers and see our amazing line of certified high-quality shallow female ego strokers. Take it from me, Herbert Schlickashek, I'm not just your local jeweler, I've been married six and a half times. Vegas marriages, boys. Very easy to annul when the shrew goes south on you. And she will. Author William Anderson joins us now. He's an accomplished author, and he's, uh, well, he's quite a remarkable guy. He's written a book called The Price Perfect. It's a novel about a subject that sometimes becomes very sensitive when you talk about it, but shouldn't be. And we're talking about uh, racism, I guess, from all perspectives. Um, what made you want to tackle uh, this type of uh, situation in a novel? Well, I was, for some time, like most of us, I've been concerned about our country. And the anger, the level of anger, I mean, in a diverse country, you expect people to debate constantly and argue over this and that, but at least have some civility. And the, uh, the level of anger and vitribution and uh, don't want to hear what you've got to say. I've got the perfect uh, yeah. solution and you don't. And so I, I thought as a writer I would investigate this situation a little bit. And I picked uh, race as kind of the one to investigate as opposed to mm -hmm. other things that we're disagreeing with. Yes. So basically out of concern for our country. Yeah. Why, why in the form of a novel? <clears throat> Hemingway said that writer's job is to make the truth truer. Mm -hmm. And um, this is based on a lot of research I did over a two, two or three year period. But I felt like 
<clears throat> I could be uh, explain this in my own way a little bit better through a novel and not just mm-hmm. another sociological study. I could bring more humanity into it and reflect a lot of the research, a lot of things that people were saying, which were anecdotal and wouldn't stand up in a history book. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah, because if, if it's if it's not a novel, then it seems to be just an opinion. If it's a novel, then it kind of filters into us in a different way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, there's more freedom in a novel, and of course there's freedom to say things that are just off the wall, not yeah. true, but also I think it can give you more of a dimensionality to what you're writing. If you have that freedom of expression, beyond what you've just heard someone say. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I've always thought that the intensity of racism really has to do with geographics. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but if you live in an urban area where there is more of a culture mix, then that kind of filters into appreciation. Uh, If you get into an area that is kind of solitary and very cookie cutter, then you don't, then you're not comfortable with that. Does, is that accurate? Well, I don't know. In this, I'm, I'm from Atlanta, uh-huh. Athens, Georgia, so I've lived the Southern life all of my life almost, although I was a writer briefly for Vogue mm-hmm. in New York, and uh, that was a diversity of thought and opinion that I'd never encountered before. So there's a there was. I don't live up there now, so I can't speak to it. But there was a there was a broader range of thought and opinions yeah. as opposed to what I grew up in the South, which was which was all black and all white. Right. Uh, right. So you could be right. There's, there's some geography involved in that. Yeah. Um, do you believe that we're in a different place because of a certain? Uh, president, perhaps, that made these types of uh, feelings, it's okay to come out with the feelings and display them? Or were we better off when we had the feelings, but we kept them civilized and under wraps? Well, if you if you think that Trump, if you believe that Trump, um, it was his style, it was, in your, it was too in your face. Right. Uh, you might agree with some of the things he was saying, but not the way they were presented. Correct. Uh, it just created, it brought, I mean, the dialogue was still there, but it brought it to a level of anger, yes, I think. Yes, That uh, I think that he, he definitely has some responsibility there. Yeah. And, but and he seems to relish it and enjoy it. It's, yeah. uh, he's a... Uh, been accused of being a, one of those big New York real estate guys who are practically mafia in their approach to stuff, where they're bullies, and that's the way they get ahead, and he relishes that. So I think a lot of this can come from the top, from the leadership, but mm-hmm. beyond that, it's just, uh, it's just been building for a while, and once the anger level started, it just it's just accelerated. Yeah. Um. Is is it like this in other countries in the world right now, William? Is it is it this intense, or is this country just uh, a little bit weird? 
America, America's always been a little bit weird. <laughs> their, their pockets uh, in various countries, uh, I think in Sweden and Finland, some of those countries which have been welcoming refugees, they're now turning against a lot of the particular people. I, right. Racism is universal. Uh, it's just a part of, can be a part. It can be. It's the way we categorize. Uh, we It's easy for us to put people in a category. One incident, a few very bad policemen uh, can make everybody think all policemen are bad. Good point. A few in Atlanta, a few uh, young black men tearing up this and that. Yeah. All of a sudden, all young black men are bad. Exactly. It's a it's a characteristic of human nature which which lends itself to racism because you can just put somebody off in a category and you don't have to really think through the situation. Oh, well, they're this. Oh, they're that. Mm -hmm. And and it's a lazy way of thinking. But it's a part of the way people are, become judgmental, categorized. Yeah. Well, uh, in, my, in my view, it's an, it's an unsophisticated way of thinking. But, um, again, then I'm categorizing. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, how is this expressed in, in the book? Uh, obviously, through the, through the characters and, and what they go through. Um, how is that presented? Well, the two main characters, and I, I took a chance in this book. I've got actually twenty characters in this novel, mm -hmm. uh, and you can you can get in trouble as a writer because you get carried away with one character and he goes off down his own story. Right. But he, all of the characters are fallen in, a, in different ways. Each one is tested in what they believe, and it's all built around the fact that a, a, a brilliant Atlanta developer wants to build. An, a masterpiece of a building in Atlanta and uh, the whole city's behind it. Everybody's excited about it. This man is a big charity uh, worker in the black community. And then a, uh, he's confronted with a black female news reporter who is really angry. Uh, it feels like racism still exists. Uh, is everywhere. Uh, believes in whiteness and privilege and all of that. And uh, she discovers that a tree on the property the man's going to build on was where a black man was hanged 80 years earlier. She tells the developer, uh, you cannot put that building there, but you need to build a memorial to the 4,000 blacks that were hanged in this country. And he said, you're, not, you're crazy. I'm not going to do that. That's something in the past I had nothing to do with. Through their dialogue back and forth, I'm, I'm going through the way we're talking today, uh -huh. uh, where white people think racism is over, and uh, and blacks are, become, are just victims, Correct. and playing on victimhood, and many blacks feel like it is still around, and the poverty and the zoning and the this and that is why so many of them are still in poverty. And the whole, that tree becomes a metaphor for America, where all the characters have to take a stand on whether this tree should be honored or should be, uh, the building, the future should be honored and not the past. So that was kind of, those were kind of the devices I used to show that 
and, and that's where the title came from. The price of perfect is the price we're all paying because in today's world, everybody's truth is true. There is no, there is no common truth that we all used to agree on things right. more than we do today. So if everybody's true is true, then we're all paying a price for that. Uh, yeah. That's that's the case. I mean, you know, I, I've always felt not everything has to be solved, but it has to be accepted and tolerated. And I mean, it, not everything has an answer, but that doesn't mean that there's a division. It just means that we have to learn accordingly, and yeah. and, and that that's okay. Um, yeah. I tell you, I mean, I'm I, I, I'm from New York. I lived most of my life in New York, so I guess I, you know, I'm just a, think a little bit differently. But when I see a um, a couple uh, where one is uh, black and one is white, I actually feel comfortable. I, I look at that picture and I feel, ah, things are good. Um, and I know that some people have the opposite reaction when they see that. Yeah. But it, oh, give, sure. it gives me a, a, a feeling of peace. I don't know why that is, but it just seems like it's the way it really should be. So I don't know. I just wish people could just get to some level of, of acceptance uh, at, the, at well, the very least. I think, I think one, one issue is the media today mm, uh, mm-hmm. forever has been this way. Yeah. But if all white people... A lot of this is proximity. We just don't live, the races don't necessarily live next door to each other. They don't hang out together, have dinner together. Not usually, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them do, of course. Again, it depends on geographics, but yes, for the most part, you're correct, yes. Um, So if you don't know somebody, what is your source of information? If it's the news, the only thing you hear about blacks doing good is is Dr. King. Yes. Well, Dr. King is a saintly, almost abstract figure in a way. Mm-hmm. And then if you turn on the six o'clock news in Atlanta, the first three stories are young black men committing crime. Yeah. So you, you just know these two divergent views. If you're white, unless you really know some black people and of mm-hmm. course it's different. Right. But if your source of information is so is so opposite like that, then yeah. you form your own opinion on whichever you want to choose. Yes. I just wish there was, there's so many successful black people, so many. I just wish there was a way that that, that whole world could be promoted better than it currently is. But if it bleeds, it leads, is the old media saying. And uh, it's just easier to show crime. Yeah. Or to show this one almost perfect man. Yeah. So we're missing the uh, we're missing the real truths about about the various races, and then nothing is worse than white than cops uh, killing a, a, a young black no. guy. That no. that just that's a match a match that just blows everything up. That's for sure. But recently, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, black cops that that yeah. kind of have you know encroached upon their own kind, and that seems to be more of a something else. Uh, but you put it all together, and you don't get happy. So there you have it. No, you're right. All right. So um, 
Thank you. And the book is called The Price Perfect. You can find it uh, probably anywhere at this point. I assume it's been released, has it? Oh, yeah. It's on Amazon and Kindle Good. and okay. Etc. So thanks so much for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. What if someone wanted to follow a uh, uh, William Anderson, a guy named William Anderson? <laughs> Are you uh, website friendly? Uh, WilliamAndersonWriter.com. There you go. Well, that'll do it for me today. You've been wonderful as usual. I'll be back again tomorrow with a brand new program. And thank you to my guest as well. But until that time arrives, I wish you peace. Peace.